is Maria Lipman in our Pornas Eurasia podcast featuring a series of discussions about Russian Eurasia, about the region's politics, and about other Russian Eurasia-related topics. Our today's topic is parenthood, probably the least political of all the subjects that we've discussed in this podcast so far. There is another thing that makes this topic different from our earlier conversations. All too often, we talk about Russian regime and the way it's becoming increasingly authoritarian and repressive. Parenthood, however, remains in large part beyond the political sphere. In the course of the post-Soviet development, the trend of new, responsible or conscious parenthood, however you call it, with its humane perceptions and practices, has taken root in Russia, at least among some social groups. Conscious parenting in this context applies not just to child-rearing as a creative activity that puts a strong emphasis on love and respect for the child. It also includes the rise of family planning practices, changed attitudes to orphans and orphanages, adoptions have become much more common than they used to be, the attitude to children with physical and mental problems has become more inclusive. I'd also mention multiple charitable organizations that help children with medical and other special needs, something that was inexistent in the Soviet Union. Other new phenomena include the rise of psychological counseling for children and parents, the emergence of parents' associations, as well as countless internet chats and fora. There have been undisputable changes in all of these spheres. Although, of course, those changes are not always uniform or incremental, the difference from the Soviet times is striking. Talking about child-rearing in a more narrow sense, back in the Soviet Union, the state and its institutions claimed primary authority over child-rearing. Disciplining was a major principle of dealing with children. An important concern in the families often was the children not get in the way of adults' lives. In early post-communist Russia, the state radically withdrew from private and even public sphere, but that in itself did not create prerequisites for conscious parenthood. Rather, the atmosphere of impoverishment, the collapse of the habitual safety net, and the general political turmoil had a damaging effect on social ties, including parenthood. Early signs of conscious parenthood practices were registered in the 2000s when gradual economic improvement, the emerging market economy, the rise of the internet, and other social changes generated a safer and more stable environment. Back in 2010, I published a collection of articles on what we called New Parenthood in a Russian journal that I edited at the time. Conscious parenthood has been on the rise in Russia ever since. To give an idea, when Ozon, Russian equivalent of Amazon, published its list of 10 best-selling books of the past decade, four were about parenting. Just recently, one of my today's guests, Maria Danilova, published an article about parenting boom in Russia. We will talk about conscious parenthood in Russia, conscious parents, and their children. Let me now introduce my guests. Maria Danilova is an independent journalist based in Washington, D.C., her story, reported this year, was recently published in the Canon Cable series by Woodrow Wilson Center. Hello, Maria. Hi. Nice to be here. Thank you. Uh, Yuri Yusbasheva is the head of uh, Validator Kids, Validator Market Research Department, focused on projects with kids, teens, and their parents. Hello, Yulia. Hello. And my first question is to Maria. What motivated you, a journalist, to write about the parenting boom in Russia? You live and work in the United States, but you come to Russia regularly, correct? 
What struck you about parents in Russia? When and why? Well, yes, I, I live in D.C., but I travel to Russia regularly several times a year. Part of my family is based there, and I, you know, I cover Russia. I follow Russia as a journalist. I am, I, I'm also a mother, so I, I started paying attention uh, to this topic you know, closely when, when my daughter was born 10 years ago. And when talking to my girlfriends, you know, looking at the various online forums, I started noticing that there's a, a very big and noticeable divide between what the generation of my, you know, friends' parents think about parenting and, you know, what kind of parenting philosophy they have and a new trend that is emerging that is popular among the, you know, the modern generation of, of parents in their 20s and 30s. So that really piqued my interest, and I, I started researching this topic, and then it turns out that there, there's this whole new philosophy that is that is booming, that is very popular in Russia, of uh, you know conscious parenting, very involved parenting, very creative parenting, and, and a gentler, I would say, and softer parenting approach than what, what we were growing up with in the Soviet Union. Thank you. Yulia, you deal with parents and children professionally. Please say a few words about what it is that you do and how does this shift in parenting practices that Maria or Masha, as I, I'm used to calling her, has just mentioned. How does it look from your professional perspective and how do you see its causes? How are Russian families with young children different from their parents' families? Something that Masha also mentioned. Well, I do market and social studies. And I do talk with kids and teens and their parents a lot. And we see really lots of interesting trends in the upbringing. It is true. You know, we started our department in 2004. So we had like 16 years to compare. But what we love to do is to compare with Soviet Union, definitely, because it was so different. And there is a a great gap. So what is really interesting to observe now is that the family model, which used to be all about hierarchy and the most important family members were actually elders where, you know, there was an idea of great respect towards grandparents or like, you know, the wisest, the most experienced members of the family. Now, they are mostly seen in, the, in these modern families, I would say more nuclear families, more as babysitters, because, you know, they had so different experience. They're not really involved in the, you know, in the modern line, in the modern context, in the modern culture. So they're so far from the current context that modern parents cannot really rely on their advice so this, you know, modern families do not really value the expertise of their parents because it's, it is so different. And they actually try to get information in different sources like internet, like psychologists and stuff like that. And, you know, there are so many forums about modern parenting, but really they would not go to their parents to get their wise experience. Definitely, when I am observing these trends, I can see that it's not happening everywhere. There are still very traditional families, but there is a trend, and the trend is very interesting, like, you know, this family model. So we just discussed with you 
that grandparents are no longer the most important family members. And the, another great difference is that dads are now much more involved in uh, the upbringing of kids. So it used to be very much different because it used to be the way, like, you know, dads were coming back from work. Their only responsibility was to earn money. And once they were home, they, you know, could relax, uh, sit on a chair or in a chair and, you know, drink beer, read newspaper and watch TV. And it was mom who was to, supposed to do everything and work as well. Now it is different. And many, many, many dads feel like they have to be there as well. Can I add something to what? Uh, yes, yes, of course. Yeah, please go ahead. Right. So I, I totally agree with with, uh, with what Yulia said about you know the the, the previous generation, the, the babushka generation, as I would, as I would call it. <laughs> you know, seeing things very, very differently from from you know the the trend that we were discussing today, and actually it, it creates a lot of tension. You know, a lot of kitchen wars are being fought between moms and, and babushkas. Yes about how to raise your child, even how to dress them for, you know, a walk in the park, how many layers uh, <laughs> to put on the child, whether he needs or she needs a shopka, a hat or not. And, you know, again, when when you look at various, you know, mommy forums and, and women's forums online, you see a lot of complaints and a lot of, you know, questions asking, you know, my mother-in-law or my mom wants to do this with my child and I don't agree. And how can I, you know, say it to her without wounding her because I do rely on her help, but I don't agree with what she's doing. I mean, the, the past philosophy with which we were raised was, again, as, as Yula mentioned, was very much based on hierarchy, on listening to your elders, obeying them, both at home, at school, at, at, at the kindergarten. I remember when, when I was growing up, when our teachers at the kindergarten, they would put us for, for the afternoon nap. We had to sleep, I think it was on the left side and like every, the, the whole group, the whole, you know, 20 children, they were sleeping on ex in the exact, exact same position. So everybody had to be, you know, to kind of obey the same rules, behave the same way. There was no talk of individuality or, you know, your personal, I don't know, feelings or aspirations. You just had to kind of do what you're told. And so this, this new philosophy where you listen to your child, accept the child, you know, with, with all their character traits and, you know, feelings and thoughts and really uh, consider the child as an equal, you know, partner or just a, an individual that is to be listened to and respected. I think it's uh, it's it's creating some some tension with with, with the older generation. Exactly, I agree. I agree with Maria completely. There was no idea of respect towards uh, a kid, and uh, you know there was an idea that the kid is just a pre-adult, and uh, that you in the moment of him being or her being a pre-adult, you're not supposed to really you know, respect his or her desires or opinion. He's not a person yet, not an adult yet. So he's just supposed to follow the rules. That That's true, yes. Yulia, I'm interested in what you said about it's not everywhere. Of course, not all the parents are as progressive or conscious as you've described. I will quote a recent article about fathering by a Russian sociologist, Alexander Lipasova, and she points out that despite undoubted changes, conservative family patterns still persist in Russia. 
and women often remain in subordinate positions to their male partners. Now, how would you describe this social group where conscious parenting or whatever you call it, new parenting, has taken root? Is it a sizable group? Are we talking about just Moscow and St. Petersburg or not? We're definitely talking about, you know, big cities, yes. And in more rural areas, we still have more conservative approach. But it is definitely a trend. And when we, you know, speak to people, they tend to tell us that they are more liberal when they, they probably are. So it might be a little bit declarative in, yeah. in smaller cities, in rural places, but the idea is there. So they do believe that it's the, the right thing to do. For example, when we ask them, are you mom's moms or are you mom's friends? They would most definitely say that they're mom's friends because they feel that being as a, a mom friend is, is more proper, is, is better. Maybe they're quite more, you know, conservative when they're at home, but they want to seem to be liberal, which is a great shift, which is a great difference. So, yes, I would say that this trend that we observe is more about more progressive families, more educated families, more maybe, you know, with a higher income and so on. But still, the trend is there. Okay. Masha, apparently you've spoken to quite a few parents for, for your article that you published. And you also describe in your article Ludmila Petranovska, kind of the parent's guru. Would you please talk about her and the kind of parents that you spoke to? Apparently they belong to this group of more progressive parents. But have you ever come across with a more conservative attitude for your article? Well, since you know my 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 article, I was I was writing it specifically about this you know this this new trend. I, I focused on those parents who who believe in it and who who support it. And most of the parents I spoke to were actually either I met them either at at one of Petranovska's seminars or you know online in in one of her kind of support groups or followers groups. So I I started noticing that that Petranovska is becoming popular. That you know she's publishing books and giving talks. But what really, really piqued my interest is a couple of years ago, I saw a, a post on Facebook in some you know mom's community, a mom's Facebook a Facebook group where a young mother in Moscow was riding the subway, and she saw who was who was there. She was riding the train. She looked uh, kind of tired and uh, you know deep in her thoughts. And so the mother snapped a picture of Petranovskaya and she added the following caption that, you know, when, when she saw Petranovskaya, she kind of launched into this internal monologue where she's uh, uh, trying to defend herself as a kind and gentle parent. And, you know, she says, I always listen to my child. I'm very patient. I never yell at my child. And then, and then the caption reads, but she looked at me sternly as if she knew I was lying. <laughs> so it really, it really shows that his teachings have, have really become you know, very popular among urban Russian moms. And so I decided to profile her, to, to talk to her. Yeah, she, she was trained as a philologist, as a, as a you know, writer and editor. She worked in the sphere of children's literature in the 90s, and then she started, she, you know, retrained as a psychologist, and she started her uh, career in, in psychotherapy 
working with orphans in in orphanages and you know helping children get adopted and uh, training parents who wanted to adopt children you know to, to make this process easier for them for 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 everyone and so when working with orphans who were really deprived of maternal love or care really neglected she realized the importance of this bond between a child and their kind of primary or main caregiver this theory is called attachment parenting, and it says that it is very important for the child to develop a very strong bond with, with one of their parents or a caregiver in order to, you know, grow up somebody who is not afraid of this world, who is uh, secure, who is confident, and, you know, who's ready to live a full life. And without that attachment, without that bond, you know, a lot of psychological problems develop in a child. So having seen those deprived children, she really understood the importance of this attachment. And she started giving talks about this and, you know, again, writing books. And in, in one of her books, which, which is called The Secret Pillar, she again says that it's, it's not important that your, your child listens to you. It's important that you love the child. You have this very, very strong bond with them. And then everything else will follow. Right. Can you say a few words about the atmosphere, those seminars that you mentioned with her? How many people are there? Is, is she lecturing? Is she answering questions? Is she surrounded by admirers who uh, look at her as a source of wisdom? Oh, yeah, very much. I, I went to two seminars. This was last summer, of course, when COVID was still not around and, you know, we, we could uh, be next to each other and uh, not be afraid of anything. So I think there were about... 50 or maybe 60, 70 parents there, uh, mostly young parents. And one of one of those seminars was devoted to a kind of parenting teenagers, which, as, as we know, is not a very easy task. And uh, a lot of parents were complaining about, you know, teenagers not cleaning their rooms and being rude and you know how how do you how do you manage that and uh, one of petronovska's pieces of advice which has now become also popular online is that the kind of the, the trick of, of parenting a teenager is work alcohol and sex <laughs> <laughs> so this is how you get through those difficult years so yes a lot of a lot of complaints from parents you know how do you deal with that what what do you do and another seminar was devoted to the kinds of intellect that children possess. You know, it used to be thought that there is kind of the, the IQ test, right, which, which is mostly based on math and logic. And this is also part of, of this new trend that, you know, your child's talents don't lie primarily in math or what, what, what school teaches them, but it, it can also be music, it can be art, it can be sports, it can be uh, a certain connection with nature and with animals. And and again, she was uh, urging parents to pay attention to their individual child and develop their needs, their unique desires. Again, focus on the needs of that specific child and kind of not, not pay too much attention to what the school system wants from them. Okay. Yuli, in one of your recent interviews, you referred to Russian families, families of the kind that we are discussing now that are engaged in conscious parenting. You referred to them as child-centered. What do you mean by that? And are Russian conscious parents different from their American or maybe European counterparts, if you can compare that? Yes, children-centered or child-centered. That's true. The thing is that 
it is like, you know, we're overcompensating for the negligence that we had towards uh, kids in the Soviet Union and the periods of the Soviet Union. Because, you know, there was an idea of raising a good person, a proper member of society. And we had the culture that supported this idea, the right books, you know, the right stories, the right, I don't know, cartoons, movies, and so on, with very strong and clear messages. And uh, then this whole system collapsed. And uh, for a moment, we had no paradigm. So there was no idea what is right and what is wrong and how we're supposed to raise kids. So that was the moment when parents didn't know really what to do. And they started looking for answers because they really did not have any scheme, any idea. Should uh, they, you know, should they be bringing idealistic kids or ambitious kids? Because, you know, in Soviet Union, ambitious was bad, but now ambitious is good. And, uh, you know, especially in the times of total instability that we used to have and that we have at the moment, definitely. So there was an idea of raising very successful kids, but now we have a different idea. And Petronovska is one of the guilty sides <laughs> of the ones who, you know, who brought up into the world this idea of raising a happy child, happy children. And nobody really knows what the happy children is because we we're not a very happy nation. We're not very happy people. We don't know how to be happy. So here parents decided to raise happy children and they made children the center of attention. And we have children's everything, children's menus, children's beauty salons, children's uh, parks, well, children's everything. So when my friends come from Europe or come from the States and they say, wow, we have never seen so many children's everything. So yes, I believe that here again, I'm, I'm repeating myself that it is overcompensation, but it, it is very challenging to raise a happy child if you're not happy yourself, if you don't really know how to be happy yourself. And all the time you are scared, you're afraid that you're doing something wrong. These parents, they have to be very, like, you know, very reflective. They have to think a lot. They cannot be intuitive because they have to do everything in the different way, they, they, not the way they were raised. It is challenging. It is, a, you know, it's a full-time job to be parents now in Russia specifically. And even Petranovska in her, in her lectures, and I've been to some of them, she's now changed her narrative recently a little bit. You know, she started saying that, okay, stop so literally taking my advices. <laughs> you are not supposed to do everything that I say. You're not supposed to, you know, overthink it. Relax. Otherwise, you're going to kill them with your, you know, too attentive approach. Let them be the way they are. Don't make them too happy. Because, you know, current Russian parents are kind of forcing their children to be happy. They keep asking them, are you okay? Are you happy? Why are you not smiling? Is everything okay? Did you like that? I don't know. Uh, class that I took you to, or did you enjoy your school today? Why are you unhappy? 
So they're not really allowing them to feel bad feelings, which is also very, I would say, dangerous. Masha, you have first-hand experience with American parents, and you are in a good position to compare not only your own childhood and your parents with your own parenting, but American parenting and Russian. Do you recognize the picture that Ayula just drew? Do you agree with her observations? Not exactly, or not fully. I think that this kind of all-in parenting idea was kind of, I think, in, imported from the West. I mean, the, the, the term the soccer mom or helicopter mom originated here in, in the U.S. You know, that's, that's, you know, soccer mom is a mom who, you know, shuttles her kids to, from soccer practice to, you know, music lessons. She's, you know, fully involved, fully dedicated. And, uh, you know, Moscow has become for sure very um, child-centric. You have these, you know, kids salons and you have uh, kids restaurants. But, you know, the idea of, for example, offering a high chair at a restaurant I think, again, was first thought of here in the West, because, you know, I remember when <laughs> on the very rare occasions when I went to the restaurant with my parents when I was growing up, obviously there were no high chairs. And again, it was very rare that children were taking out to a restaurant because, you know, there were very few of them to begin with. I think that, you know, American parenting is, is also very, very child-centric, maybe kind of in, in, in different ways and different aspects. But I, I think American parents, at least urban parents, they tend to have children a little bit um, later than parents in Russia, especially in Moscow and especially in Russia. And when they do, they kind of uh, go all in. First of all, I think they have children closer to each other in age. And so basically one, once, you know, once a couple has children, their life turns upside down, becomes completely different. It's, it's, it's all about activities and you know soccer practices and birthdays and again the the, the term play date i i discovered only after we moved here i don't know if, if there's a russian term for that it, it's, it's basically kind of an organized you know date for between two children organized by their parents specifically so that they would play together get acquainted in a kind of uh, formalized setting as it is called and with the parents in moscow that, that i observe around me i think it's more like you know parents get together and you know their kids kind of play in the other room and it's not as as structured perhaps so here i think it's also very much child-centered okay well, let us talk about children now. And uh, Yulia, uh, you observe the, um, so to say, product of this conscious parenthood. How do you think are those children different from their parents? And why is that? You mentioned that this excessive love or excessive attention is not necessarily always beneficial. Do you see any effects uh, of this sort in, in your work? Yes. And I would say that these new kids, they're different, but at the moment, nobody knows whether it is good or bad. So like, you know, it's an experiment and no one, even Petranovska says that no one really knows what it's going to be in 20 years when these kids grow up and start working and start being directors and start owning firms and so on, whether it's going to be good or bad, whether this new approach towards life, whether this new approach towards other people is going to be beneficial for the whole society or not. 
nobody knows. But the thing is that this liberal parenting is not the only thing that is affecting this new generation. Also, this like, you know, globalization and digitalization and this whole three things that are at the moment creating new generation. Definitely, we have very different kids nowadays. And uh, they speak differently, they communicate differently, they're not afraid to, you know, tell us what they think. They are more self-confident. They're not as convenient as uh, previous in, in Soviet era were. So if they don't like something, they would name it. And uh, the key question they normally ask is why? So what for? If you ask them to do something, they might ask you the question immediately. Why? Am I, why should I do that? You're, you're supposed to explain them. And teachers actually hate it that they have to explain kids why they're supposed to, like, you know, uh, wipe, the, wipe the boards or stop shouting and things like that. Because these are more, I would say, free-spirited kids that we have now. And at the same time, these are quite, well, I would say in a way, they are more adult, yes, because they are not afraid to speak up their mind. But at the same time, they are more infantile because they are not involved in their adult life. They do not watch uh, movies that they do not like. They have their own TVs, their own gadgets, and their own programs. So they do not really participate in this different adult life as much as we used to like you know 20 30 years ago when we did not really have our gadget our rooms and so on so nowadays they are more infantile they, they still live in their own bubble i would say and uh, parents do not really know what to do with it and they keep saying when i used to be your age i would you know and say lots of different stuff but of course, these kids are different. They wouldn't know how to, you know, go to Sberbank and pay for an apartment, or they wouldn't know how to, I don't know, how to... Well, there are so many things that, but I, I cannot think about any now, that adult people uh, think that kids are supposed to do. Like, you know, they, they think they're supposed to do everything, all the chores around the house. But this new kids, they do not want to do that. They say, no, I want to I wanna be a blogger. So I need to spend more time practicing my blogger skills. Or I want to be uh, a professional gamer. So I need to put all in, in my gaming skills. I don't really have time to wash the dishes at the moment. So they, do, they really do have some, some problems nowadays, kids and parents. Because parents, even though they were parenting them differently, they expect them to be much more similar to what they used to be themselves. Because parents cannot really accept something different. It's very difficult to accept different. Masha, do you agree with this description that children of today are at the same time more adult or more mature than their parents' generation was at their age, and at the same time more infantile? Do you agree with this description? I, I absolutely agree. And uh, yes, the, you know, the word convenient that, that Yulia mentioned definitely doesn't apply to <laughs> the majority of children today. 
as you mentioned, whenever you try to bring up some memories from your childhood, you know, when I was your age and, you know, I cleaned the whole house or I did the dishes and, you know, what, what you hear is, you know, sorry, sorry, mom, <laughs> you had a very difficult childhood. It doesn't mean that I have to have the same. And actually, Petranovska also talks about it in her lectures. There's a cartoon that I remember watching as a child and I, I, I tried to show it to, to my children as well. I forget the name. It's it's basically about a, a boy who who is asked by his babushka, by his grandmother, to go to the to the local bakery and and buy some bread. Uh, and he says, I I don't want to. I don't feel like it. And then he gets uh, he gets transported to this kind of fantasy land where kind of at first sight it looks like all of his wishes will be granted, and he gets to eat all the sweets that he wants and he doesn't have to do any chores and then he realizes at the very end that he becomes overweight and not very healthy <laughs> and kind of get, get, gets health problems and realizes that he wants to go back to his you know real world uh, and so the moral of the story that, that the cartoon ends with with the words nada значит nada so if you have to do it you have to do it and you do it and so Petranovska says in her lectures, it doesn't work anymore. So this, this idea, if you have to do it, you must do it, doesn't work anymore. You have to explain, you have to bargain, you have to negotiate. So yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy parenting these new free, freedom fighters children. <laughs> Sounds like you're talking from experience. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Julia, my, I guess my last question would be to you. We talk a lot about the current Russian state that has become more intrusive and increasingly interfering with public and even private affairs. Uh, this has to do with schooling, but not just. Do you think it gets in the way of this conscious parenthood? And do you think uh, today's Russian conscious parents are aware of it and maybe concerned or, or not? You know, it seems like the majority of these progressive parents are not really putting it together, I would say. And it's like, you know, it lies in a, in a little bit different spheres for them. So there is politics and there is my parenthood. There is my experience with my, my children. So I would say that most of them would not see the, the link between this interference of state and parenthood. I, I believe that at the moment, not yet, but I think that very soon we will see it a little bit differently. And in some short period of time, I think that parents would start feeling the pressure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. And this is a really interesting response to my question. Thank you both very much. I think I enjoyed this conversation a lot. I hope you did too. Yes, very much. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much.